You are welcome to Faith to Faith broadcast. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. First Corinthians chapter six, verse twelve. This morning, I just want to share briefly with you. As First Timothy, not Corinthians, I'm mistaken. First Timothy six twelve. Sorry. It has been our text since this month. We've been talking about the good fight. Everybody say the good fight. Let's read it together. I want to go. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Amen. Now, um, the only way we can lay hold on eternal life, make real things of the Spirit in our day-to-day life, it means that the things of the Spirit will be real in your finances, it will be real in your health, it will be real in your academics, it will be real in your career. The only way it can be real is if you fight the good fight. What Paul referred to as the good fight of faith. Then, the next book he wrote to Timothy, which is Second Timothy, the fourth chapter, verse 7, he now said, I have fought a good fight. Hallelujah. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Amen. Meaning that he was saying that for one of the reasons why or two reasons why we fight the good fight is firstly to finish our course and to keep the faith. Amen. Glory to God. My prayer is everyone under the sound of my voice will finish their course and they will keep the faith in the name of Jesus. It means that there are things that will come up to resist you and try to cause you to deny your faith. The Bible was talking about the same thing in 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, verse 1, where Paul was saying to them, he said, in the latter days, in the last days, or towards the end, that men shall deny their faith, because they will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. It means that there are certain things you will hear, certain things you will see, that could cause you to come to a place where you start questioning your faith. Now, we all know what has been happening in our generation. Social media, everywhere. How it is that something you've always believed, suddenly someone brings up a question. Hallelujah. Something you never thought of. Someone is questioning if Jesus is really God. Someone is questioning if the Bible is authentic. Someone is questioning the virgin birth. The tenets of our faith are questioned. Now, if you're not grounded and settled in this truth... What happens is that by the time you start hearing those debates and those um, com- com- confusing statements, after a while you start asking yourself questions. The Bible says, through seducing spirits, that's deceiving spirits, there's a deliberate attempt of Satan to keep bombarding your thoughts with conflicts, amen, conflicts to your faith. So some of you say, okay, why, why, why must I go to church every Sunday? Why must I go to church for midweek service? Why must I be part of a church team. Why must I be involved in local assembly? All those questions start coming up. Listen, these things didn't start today. Amen. They didn't start with social media. These things have been here. They've been there right from the time Jesus was 
on earth. Hallelujah. The early church had the same experiences where people didn't agree with truth, the fundamentals of the faith. And then people had to be taught God's word so they could be, they could be grounded in it. Now, my concern this morning is that everyone hearing me will keep the faith. Amen? And everyone hearing me will finish their course. There are two different things between keeping, your, keeping the faith and finishing the course. When the Bible talks about finishing your course there, it's talking about the spiritual career that God has set out for you, that you will accomplish it. Amen. Are we together? That the, the career, there's a, there's, a, there's a career set out for you, that you will accomplish it. And that it takes the fight of faith to accomplish it. God putting something in your heart doesn't mean it will happen automatically. Amen. There's something on my wall in my, in my sitting room. It says, faith doesn't make it, it doesn't mean it's not difficult. It only means it is possible. Amen. So, faith doesn't mean that something won't be difficult. It only means that at the end of the day, it is what? Possible. So, if you're not willing to fight the fight of faith, it doesn't matter what the Lord showed to you. The dream you had, the vision you had, the prophecies were spoken over you. Whatever prophecy they spoke over you, if you don't stand to fight the fight of faith, it will not come to pass. Because there is opposition. Hallelujah. There are some terminologies that Paul used. He said, I press toward the mark. Why is he using the language press? Meaning that something is trying to stop me from making that advancement. Amen. But I'm going to consciously move forward and advance to achieve that thing that God has put in my heart. There are some of you that have entered 2020. There are big things that you want to accomplish. You will fight the fight. Amen. You will fight the fight of faith. Glory to God. If you don't fight, you won't finish. Let me tell you, anybody. Say, if you don't fight, you won't finish. Glory to God. Sometimes it's easy to start sometimes. But where the real battle is, is to stay until you finish. There are many people that have started things. People have started relationships. Amen. But they didn't finish it. Who have started projects, they started businesses, then they abandoned it. And some of those things were actually inspired by God. Inspired by God. Do you know how many things were inspired by God that have not been accomplished? There are many abandoned projects. Amen. In the Bible, in Isaiah, he called it desolate heritages. It means that there are certain things that God wanted done by some people. They didn't do it. And God will raise someone else. Amen. Are you with me? To do it. Glory to God. So, some of the times when we talk about inheritance. Inheritance is that there are times where God passes across to you desolate heritages. Certain things that people didn't accomplish. And then you, because God can trust you, will put some of those things in your hand in the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Fighting the fight is important. Because some of the time, just because we are standing, many others are inspired to stand. Amen. Am I communicating? There are people that have seen us over the years. Say, oh, you're still doing this thing? You're still preaching the gospel? You're, yes, you're, we're still here. And because we've been doing it, okay, when do, we've been doing it. Oh, 10 years ago we're doing it. 20 years ago, 24 years ago we're doing it. Wow, you're still doing it? Yes. Someone is inspired. Hallelujah. It, it, it takes a fight, glory to God, to stay on course and finish that thing that God has put in your heart. Now, let me say this to you. If one man could finish... Many other men can finish. So Paul said, I have fought a good fight. He said, I, Paul, have finished my course. That means he knew. Glory to God. And I want to say, you will also know when you are finished. 
in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. He said, I have finished my course. Not I'm about to finish. I have finished it. My prayer, lift your hand everywhere. I say in the name of Jesus. I pray for myself that this year I will finish my course. And in my lifetime, I will finish my course. In the name of Jesus. I pray that not one here will be cut off in the name of Jesus. You will not be cut off in the name of Jesus. You will finish your course. But there is something I just want to draw your attention to in that verse 12. Of 1 Timothy 6. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called. Some random say you've been summoned to the life eternal. Then he said, and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Today I wanted to focus on the good confession. Hallelujah. And um, I'd like to read this in amplified version. Because this uh, King James is old English, even if we like it, amen. So, I'll read it in uh, amplified version. It will simplify it for us. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of the eternal life to which you were summoned. And for which you confessed. Did you see the word confessed? The good word confession of faith before many witnesses. You know, in the early church, when you got born again, after receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior, um, you had to publicly proclaim your faith. And one of the ways you publicly proclaim your faith is by coming out to be baptized. Baptism cannot be done in secret. Are you understanding me? So, if they see you going to be baptized in water and brought out, you have professed your faith before many. Amen. You are saying I have joined those Jesus people. Because if you were practicing Judaism, you didn't have to, in any way, go and get yourself dipped in water in the name of Christ. Am I communicating? Alright? So, but the point here is that Paul was saying, you have confessed the good confession of faith before. So, there was a definite confession he was talking about. Hallelujah. The good confession. Everybody say the good confession. Say it again, the good confession. So I'm going to show you a few scriptures and help you understand that you cannot fight this fight without the good confession. Amen. Alright? The fight is not just something in the heart. It's also something from your mouth. Glory to God. Your confession matters. And no, let me just say a little about confession. The word confession is very confusing to a lot of believers. Because of the religious undertone it carries. If I came to you and said, I have a confession. The first thing you would think is, what sin has pastor committed? That's the first thing you're going to think. Say, I have a confession. Say, hey, what confession? Are you understanding me? That's the first thing you're going to think. But in the New Testament, when the Bible says confession, it's not dealing with an admission of guilt or an admission of wrong. Amen. Amen. Are we together? Now, if someone says... Um, come and confess. There are different kinds of confession. There is the confession which is the admission of wrong. Where someone comes to say, I did this, I did that, I did that, I did that. 
and is owning up to something that he did. But that's not the confession Paul is talking about in 1 Timothy 6 verse 12. Amen. He's not talking about the confession that's admitting a wrong. And the Greek word he used is explaining exactly what he's talking about. And that thought is consistent throughout the writings of Paul. So you find that confession. Let's look at um, Hebrews 3 verse 1. You can write down the scriptures. Hebrews 3, 3, 1. Hebrews 4, 14. Amen. And Hebrews 10, 23. Amen. We'll just look at Hebrews first. Now it says, so King James, back to King James. Now in the King James Version, I want you to see it. KJV. Seeing then that, ye, that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us what? Hold fast our what? Now, the King James will say profession. The word profession is an old word for confession. Are we together? Let us hold fast our confession. I would have said you should flip it, but it's taking long for them to flip, so uh, I'm careful. Amen. I don't know who is in that box. But I'm not done with Hebrews 3.1. Let us hold fast our confession. The apostle and high priest of our confession. Okay, definitely Hebrews 3.1 is not talking about our admission of wrong. Amen. Amen. That's not what he's talking about. He's the high priest of our confession. So what's that confession he's talking about? Hallelujah. If Jesus is the high priest of it. Am I communicating? Now, it means that there is a confession that he's dealing with. Amen. Are we together? There's a specific confession that he's dealing with. And I've established one. It is not the admission of wrong. Now, if I say, okay, all of you, in the last week, come forward and confess all your sins. That's not the confession he's talking about here. Amen. There is that confession. Then, there is the confession that is what you would call the ultimate confession. That's what Paul was referring to as the good confession. Are we together? Hmm. So, I'm going to merge two scriptures to just bring that out. The first one, maybe I will take it from Romans 10. Verse 9 and 10. And then we'll look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. Amen. Then we'll go back to Hebrews 4. In Romans 10, Paul was having an argument. Or trying to establish something. And doing like he was arguing with someone. He says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. What are you confessing? The Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God has risen from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, hold on. You will confess with your mouth. He didn't say you will confess with your mouth, I am a sinner. What did he say you will confess? What do we say you will confess? Now, we don't speak like that today. But what he's saying in essence is, if you will confess the Lordship of Jesus, Amen, over your life, and while you're confessing it, you believe in your heart, that that Jesus was raised from the dead, you shall be saved. 
This is the confession that produces salvation. Amen. This is the confession that makes every other confession you ever make relevant, significant to God. Amen. Am I communicating? Now, let me just say something by the side. If someone has not received Jesus as Lord and Savior, every day he wakes up in the morning, if he fornicated, he will say, Oh, Lord, forgive me for fornicating. Then if he stole, he said, I stole yesterday, forgive me. What are you praying? You are a sinner. You, even if you, whether you pray or you don't pray, you are going to hell. Are you understand what I'm saying? See, listen. You know, there's always some unbelievers think. If you have not received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, your prayers of forgiveness don't mean anything. Maybe you've never heard that before. They don't mean anything. In short, you are expected to sin. Amen. Amen. You are expected to sin. Because whether you sin or not, you're on your way to where sinners we go. The only ticket out of that place is confessing the Lordship of Jesus. Are you with me? Put up my scripture. So he said, if you confess with your mouth, with whose mouth? Whose mouth? Someone cannot confess, see, someone cannot confess the Lordship of Jesus over you. You will confess Jesus by yourself. Alright? Then he says, I shall believe in the heart that God arranged from there, that shall be saved. Then he tells us in verse 10, emphasizing what he had said earlier. He said, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth, <laughs> confession is made unto salvation. He's talking about what your mouth can do. Now, this scripture, I can expound on it. With the, when the word salvation is used, salvation is a family word. It's a compound word. In salvation, we have healing. In salvation, we have protection. In salvation, we have preservation. In salvation, we have wholeness. In salvation, we have victory. In salvation, we have, we have rescue. Amen. We have help in salvation. So we could say, with the mouth, confession is made unto deliverance. Amen. With the mouth, confession is made unto victory. Amen. With a mouth. If your mouth was a party to bring you into Christ, that same mouth will keep you in Christ. You didn't hear me well. You didn't hear me well. If your mouth was involved to bring you into salvation, that same mouth will keep you in the faith. So, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. The good confession. In 1 Corinthians 12, 3, Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church. He was talking about spiritual gifts, you know, and how they were being led by those dumb idols. Then in verse 3, his focus now was to tell them something. He said, no man can say, Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Are we together? He said, no man can say, Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. That saying, Jesus is Lord, is the Holy Ghost that empowers a man to say it. Try and see whether you can say it. Say, Jesus is my Lord. One of the ways to know someone is possessed of the devil is that he cannot say this. I'm not talking about the one that all these uh, rumors which is disturbing. You understand? I'm talking about the one are you understanding me? I'm talking about the one that Satan has possessed his soul. He cannot confess the lordship of Jesus. Glory to God. Are we together? 
So let me look at your neighbor and say, Say, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> if they are not saying it, say, Say, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> but this say is not just a casual thing. Alright? He says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God called Jesus a cause, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord. That means the confession is the confession of the what? The Lordship of Jesus. Some of you think that prayer is a simple prayer. Amen. I was talking to a group of people and I said, look, it is deeper than joining a cult. Amen. Confessing the Lordship of Jesus is the strongest oath any human can take. It's an oath. Amen. Are we together? When that oath has been taken, it renounces every other oath previously taken. So you say, oh, I was a Viking, I was a Buccaneer, I was a, an air person, and we drank blood. When you take this oath, you have engaged another blood. Amen. You've engaged the blood of God. Amen. Are we together? It annuls every cult you are involved in. Now, why is this information important? Because some of you think that after you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you still need to go and break. No. The acceptance is the breaking. Amen. Are you listening to me? The acceptance is the breaking. So, God is saying to you, okay, say it. First, have you believed that he was raised from the dead? Yes. Now, say it. Believing alone will not produce a result. It has to be said. There is a law that is set in motion when you say it. That says, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Glory to God. You know, there are some things that have not moved in your life. You know why? You've not said anything about it. You are thinking it. You are believing it. But you have not said anything. Now, the good confession is that confession of the Lordship of Christ over you. Amen. Now, you know, most of the time, some of us think the good confession is a one-time confession in the sense that it is when you do it once, you are saved. You don't get saved ten times. But it's not a confession you should make only once. Amen. Amen. That means there are days you wake up and say, Father, I thank you because Jesus is the Lord. And you say it again, your body will align. When you say it again, your finances will align. There is something about that good confession. So the Bible called Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now let me explain what confession is here. I said it's not admission of sin or wrong. So what is confession? The Greek word, I try my best not to go into the Greek word except I have to. The Greek word there is homologia. Alright? Homologia. And it's very important I explain it. How many of you know what homo is? Homo. Homosexual. You know that one. Homo is same. Alright? Same. So if I'm a homosexual, I am same sex. Are you understanding me? Okay? So homo. Then logia or logo is where you get the word logos, speech. Okay. So when they say homologia, that's the homologia that is translated as confession. Amen. Whether it was in Hebrews 3 1 we read. 
whether it was in Hebrews 4.14 we read, whether it was in Hebrews 10.23 we read, whether it was in 1 Timothy 6.12 that we read, and several other scriptures. Even the one in Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 is homologia, homologia, homologia. It's consistent. Even First John chapter 1, which we're not going into now. Amen. Verse 7 is homologia. Amen. All homologia. So what homologia means is translated confession. But confession is not the best way in our everyday language to, com- to, to translate it because we're confused. Because we use confession for admission of wrong. So, homologia simply means same speech. I would say same speech. Mm. That's the first meaning. Same speech. If I say, woo-woo, say it too. Woo-woo, same speech. Yeah, yeah. Same speech. Hallelujah. Same speech. That's homologia. You are saying the same thing I'm saying. Alright? Now, but, it's deeper than just same speech. Homologia is same speech in consent. That means that I'm not just saying it for saying sake. I'm saying it in agreement. I'm saying the same thing because I agree with that thing. Amen. Same speech in consent. So, I agree, and so I'm saying what I agree. That's homologia. That's what was translated as confession. That means that, in my Christian walk, the moment I confess the Lordship of Jesus over me, now, any time I look at the Scriptures, everything that that death, burial, and resurrection is saying about me, I will say the same thing in consent. Amen. Amen. Some of us are trying to say the same thing, but not in consent. If I say, maybe I am recruiting you into the army. And then I say, tell this man to shut up. <laughs> you stand in front of the man and say, you say, you should shut up. It means that you don't agree that he should shut up. You are just saying it because the soldier told you to tell him. Am I communicating? So you are saying it, but it's not in consent. A lot of believers are making pronouncements and proclamations, but they have not agreed with it. Amen. Amen. They have not agreed with it. Now, the reason why we meditate on scripture is to bring ourselves to a place where we agree with the scripture. Amen. For example... This year is 2020. And the prophetic word has come to us is what that dead burial resurrection is showing us this year is that it's our year of exponential increase. Now, but as you started January, you lost your job. In this February now, you are eating from your savings. Amen. Are we together? In short, the way it is going in March, you are going to borrow. Now, the word is increase. The experience is decrease. Are you with me? The word is increase. The experience is decrease. Okay. What do you need to do? Doesn't say, hey, hey, 20, 20 is my year of increase. No, you have to first sit down. It's not a public show. It's not about what somebody else is thinking. It's not about what we're saying in church. You have to sit down. Put the scriptures together. And start saying them to yourself until you agree. 
that agreement is what we call believing. Amen. Until you agree. Do you know sometimes you might need to fast for you to agree. Amen. Some of you have to add fasting for the agreement to happen. Because your mind will still be struggling. Alright? You are still there's a logic inside you that does not accept that this year can be a year. It will give you calculations. It will it will it will give you charts in your mind. How that you know two years ago, that's how you started the year. Alright? You started the year with okay, you know, two years ago you started the year with hundred thousand, but by the end of the year you were still broke. Now this year you are starting with twenty thousand. <laughs> how will it be? <laughs> You are in a parliament of devils. And they are trying to legislate over your destiny. Amen. Are we together? You have to shut them up. Glory to God. Am I communicating? Listen, God's word has to be final authority to you. Permit me, I cannot use this hand. So let me clean my face. Glory to God. I remember when one of the governors said, I'm in pains. Severe pains. So I'm preaching in pains. Amen. Alright. Are you getting what I'm saying? Alright. So demons are legislating over your life. They are speaking. Suggestions are coming. Thoughts are coming. What do you do? Don't keep, listen. A lot of times believers think, I've shared this, I've taught you this before. Shaking your head does not silence the words. Those thoughts that are flooding your mind, they are real. They are real. Thoughts are things. Are you hearing me? Thoughts are things. If you don't deal with them, they will cause problems in your soul. Look at people that commit suicide. You think they just woke up one morning to commit suicide? No. A man, years ago, drowned his two-year-old, a, a toddler child, drowned in, 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 a, in a bathtub, you know, filled with water. Drowned the child. After they had um, uh, come, the child was dead already. Then they arrested him and all that. They asked him, he said he doesn't even know why he did it. He said, but the thought had come to him over the time. Just drown him. Try it. Do it. Do it until he now did it. So that thought coming to you that this year you might not make it. Not make it. Don't be quiet! You must make the good confession. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So listen, you must respond. I'm licensing you today to respond. Respond in the name of Jesus. When you live here, respond. When you go home, respond. In your office, respond. Don't be quiet. Some of you have problems, you just start singing. No matter what you're going through, he'll fix it up for you. He knows. Just after singing, confess. Singing might suit your soul is the confession that changes the circumstance. Is the confession that changes the circumstance. Jesus had to teach them. <laughs> Alright? He said, whosoever will say to this mountain, Mark eleven twenty three. He didn't say, whosoever will think about it. No! You might have been thinking, but you have to say. 
That mountain is waiting for what you will say. That situation is waiting for what you will say. Let me tell your neighbor, my response is important. Glory to God. It's important. Be that removed and be that cast. And shall not doubt in his heart. But believe that those things shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. Glory to God. Alright, now, when we say the good confession, I've explained what it is. Saying the same thing in consent. So you agree. If the Bible declares that you are the healed of the Lord, what do you do? You agree. You agree. And agree, then you keep saying what you have agreed with. If the word of God has said to you that this year of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. And you are a part of that government. What do you do? You agree. And then, don't just agree in your heart. Be saying what you have agreed with. Listen to me. Everybody's environment responds to what it, the person is saying to it. There are some things your environment will not know until you say it. Amen. Amen. Your environment might not know that you are not one of those that shouldn't be sick until you say it. The atmosphere around you might not know that this year increase belongs to you until you say it. When you open your mouth, you change the configuration around you. But we have to teach you what to say. The Bible calls it the good confession. The good confession is not positive speaking. Don't be mistaken. Don't be mistaken. It's not positive speaking. Let me ask your neighbor, what is it? Ask your neighbor, what is it? Positive speaking is, I'm going to make it. We don't go down, we go up. The sky is, is, is your limit. All those kind of nice things. Amen. It's positive confession that makes people write books on how to get rich, but they are poor. What God did for you in Christ is more than a positive confession. Are you listening to me? So, now, faith, what we're dealing with could be covered as a subject on the faith. But faith has a positive confession. But faith is not a positive confession. Amen. Faith might sound positive, but it's not. Positivity is not faith. You know, there are some of you that you are born optimist. You know what an optimist is? Okay, some of you know a pessimist. 
A pessimist is someone that does not see anything good in anything. Are we together? He always sees the evil or the bad in something. We've had friends like that. Everybody's saying something else. Maybe some, in some circles, there people like having some pessimistic people around them to help them see the other side. Are you understanding me? Especially where there are some people that are obsessed with optimism. You know, don't worry, it will be fine. Yeah, everything will be good. I want them out to call my pastors in church and I sat them down. And I said, don't ever tell anybody it will be well if God did not tell you it will be well. Don't just talk positive talk. Don't ever tell them everything will be fine when you are not sure everything is going to be fine. Am I communicating? I said, no, don't do that. Because I see Christians do those kind of things sometimes. So we are not merchants of optimism. Don't worry. Don't worry. My brother, if there is a reason to worry, please worry. If you don't know what else to do, because, listen, maybe in your worry you will find the answer. Don't tell someone, don't worry, when you didn't give him solution. Amen. Don't worry. So what should I do? Then you tell him, Pray. Read your Bible. Are you understanding me? Take this action of faith. Then he, you, that don't worry now has uh, legitimacy. Amen. You tell him, you say, you say uh, Pastor, uh, hmm. in my office, they are sacking people. Uh, they sacked, uh, we were 10. They sacked six, remaining four. Uh, and the six they sacked, they are all more qualified than me. Uh, uh, so they say this week they are going to sack another group. They tell him, don't worry. Why shouldn't you worry? Amen. No, no, I'm asking, why shouldn't you worry? Glory to God. Why shouldn't you worry? Why? They're sucking. It's coming. Prophetically, it's coming. It's coming. Six, eight, And the only ten. Now, the only reason why you would tell the person, don't worry, is to say, oh, maybe the person comes and say, God told me they were not going to sack me. <laughs> okay, if God told you they were not going to sack you, then don't worry. Oh, God told me he's going to promote me. Then don't worry. Whatever comes out of it is going to be fine. But if your don't worry is not based on scripture, it's not based on a word from the Lord, it's not based on something that God said, please, don't tell him don't worry. Say, cry, you. Prepare for your sack. Are you getting the picture here? You know, there are so many things we say. You know, I'm not an expert in going for funerals and burials. But as a pastor, sometimes unavoidable, you have to be involved in funerals sometimes. The reason I don't like funerals is the lies that are told in funerals. I can't stand it. There is more sin committed around the dead 
this my brother. He was a very good man. But you know he was not a good man. It's only in one funeral I, he- I, I wasn't there. I heard someone came and I said, this guy, he was a, he was a thief. You know, was a thief. Thank God he's dead. In the guy's funeral. <laughs> That's the only place I've heard. Even on every other place, they'll come and say one wonderful thing or one great thing or the other. And that person that died, even him knows that that is not correct. Then to crown it, they say, may his soul rest in peace. Listen, ROIP is only for those in Christ. Are you hearing me? Don't do RIP for someone that is not born like that. Just, uh, just console the family. Sorry for your loss. Finish. Are you understanding me? We are sorry for your loss. What, you know what RIP means? It means to rest in peace. Rest in the bosom. Rose up in the bosom. They are not in the bosom of any Lord. Amen. Are we together? They're not in the bosom of the Lord. So, what are you talking about? So, <laughs> how did we get here? What were we talking about? No, I was saying something. I was on a path. Yes. So, you're trying to just be positive in your speech. So you say, oh, rest in peace. But that's not true. It's not consistent with scripture. Am I communicating? So don't just be a be some kind of optimist that you just want to say something good to someone. What you are saying, you, you must agree with it. Amen. It has to be in line with what the dead burial resurrection has already wrought for you. So the good confession is not just optimism. The good confession is a confession that lines up with scripture. Amen. Alright? With scripture. It lines up with what the dead bear resurrection had wrought for you. That's the good confession. So why will you increase this year? Am I communicating? You are not just talking. You are making the good confession. Listen. Paul had to tell Timothy. I believe it was 1 Timothy 1 verse 18. Uh, 1 Timothy 1 18, I guess. So just put it up. First Timothy one eighteen. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, what should you do? That thou by them mightest war a good warfare. How do you war with prophecy? It means you will say it again. Amen. Are we together? If a word has been spoken over your life, you will use that word that has been spoken to speak to circumstances around you. Amen. That's the good confession. Am I communicating? That's the good confession. So, this year, increase has been spoken over your life. Is that correct? What are you doing with it? Some of you think that if you just post a sticker on your car, or on your door, 
then you have made the confession. No, it's just sticker. Amen. What is it? It's just a sticker. The sticker is to remind you to say it. Amen. Are we together? Don't behave like the sticker is talking. The sticker is to remind you to say it. How many of you this year have stood up at night, pacing the grounds and declaring the name of Jesus? Increases upon me this year. Increases here. Increases now. You'll be aggressive with those confessions. Listen. Some of you agree that the thoughts that come against you are aggressive. Have you ever had thoughts? Oh, I said, ah, leave me alone. I just, have you ever thoughts like that? Aggressive thoughts. They are just coming. They are just coming. They are not giving you space. Your confession should also be what? Aggressive. Amen. Aggressive. Sometimes you are shouting. You are shouting and saying what you are saying. Because you are drowning that voice inside your mind. Amen. You are silencing the voice. A lady came years ago. She had HIV. And then they brought her to me to minister to her. And I said, give me three meetings. Alright? I don't know you from anywhere. It's not like you're a church member. Blah, blah, blah. I've never thought you got to word. But just give me three meetings. She agreed. The first meeting we had, I sat her down. And I taught her from Isaiah 53. Emphasis on three, verse 3 to 5. We read it over and I explained to her what happened on, when Jesus died. And she had received Christ, so that made it a lot easier. The second meeting we had, I think I, brought, I, I told her to attend the service. I taught God's word. Then I gave her some scriptures for her to go and be meditating on those scriptures. Then the day, it was a Sunday service, she came for service. And I said, I just called her out and laid hands on her. I didn't say anything to anybody, I just laid hands on her. The power of God came upon her. She went home. So I told her to go for a test on Monday. But on Tuesday when we were supposed to see, she said, Pastor, I'm healed. I said, okay, where's your test result? She said, I've not gone for the test yet. I said, why? She said, I am healed. So I was wondering. I said, come. What happened? She said, Pastor, that every day, from the moment I got the report that I had HIV, there's a voice that speaks to me, telling me I will die. I'm about to die. Every day. If it doesn't come as I'm about to sleep at night, it will whisper to me. It's as if the voice is on assignment. Are you understanding me? She said, when you laid hands on me on that Sunday, as I went home, I lay down to sleep. The voice didn't come. It was the first time I didn't hear the voice. I knew that something had happened. He said, even if I have not gone for the test, I know I'm healed. I said, yeah, but go for the test. She went for the test and she's healed. Now, the point is this. The point is this. She was hearing voices. The infirmity is strengthened by those voices. Are you with me? You are sick. You will not make it. There are some of you that came here today, you've been hearing voices. Today, by the anointing of God's Spirit, I silence those voices. Some of them are voices that have kept you sick. Some are voices that have kept you broke. 
Will you ever make it? Will you ever make it? Which day will you have one million in this life? When you say confess millions, you want to confess millions, say you too. Uh, forget it. Are you understanding me? When you say confess, are you understanding me? When you say our cars are coming. Uh, 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 as you want to say our cars are coming, they, see, we just tell you. Now you did they talk about. Amen. I don't know what voices you've been hearing, but we're going to silence those voices today. I said, we're going to silence those voices today. When Satan met Jesus, Jesus did not use positive confession. He was quoting scriptures. It is written. Amen. Man shall not live by... That was a response of Jesus. That was the way to silence that voice that was coming. Are you ready to silence those voices? I don't know what voice you want to silence, but it will be silenced today. Listen, you cannot make progress carrying those voices around with you. No, you can't. Don't tell me, no, don't, don't worry, it doesn't affect me. It is affecting you. It's affecting you. Some of you, it's a voice that keeps the addiction on. Are you understanding me? There is an addiction, that voice keeps that addiction on. So, you, you, you don't want to do those things again, but the voices won't let you. It will just keep coming back, keep coming back. Amen. <laughs> Recently, I was telling my wife, I said, um, I want to stop drinking soda during the week, only on Sundays. Because this give me a lot of soda, you know, everywhere, you know. So, there was a time I wasn't taking it. So, I said, okay. So, this this will be my fourth week. This new week now will be my fourth week. So, I will drink water on Monday. On Tuesday, I will be drinking water. They just carry crates. They will just carry the pack of Coke and keep beef. They thought you just come. Just drink one. <laughs> drink one and start tomorrow. Yeah. How many of you know that voice? I, you know what I'm talking about. Just drink one and start tomorrow. On Tuesday, I succeeded. Wednesday, you bring pulpy. Boom. And they just keep bringing them. Then now, maybe I'm waiting for lunch and the lunch is not coming on time, it's delayed. And I'm working, I'm getting distracted, maybe I need to take something. Then the pulpy will say, I'm here. <laughs> yes, yeah, that have me. So I have to talk with myself. Are you understanding me? No. <laughs> Nobody's there, but I'm talking. No. Get it behind me, puppy. Get it behind me, coke. Man shall not live by coke and puppy alone. <laughs> Amen. I am at least I have to talk, I have to respond. Amen. And this week is the fourth week. Amen. Then on Sundays, I say, okay, no problem. On Sunday, give me all the things. You understand? Give me all the soda. That's my own way of appeasing myself. Are you understanding me? So I say, okay, I'm waiting for Sunday. Glory to God. But it is something I've never done before. Glory to God. Am I communicating? So you can do it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So respond to that voice. Respond. Don't be quiet. Say something. We're going to stand up for a few minutes. 
And when we stand up, I don't know your own voice that you've been hearing. Some of you, the voice is austerity. A voice that has held you down. Keeps you in a position where the only thoughts that come to your mind are thoughts of grievous poverty. Chronic. You know, you know there are some people that are just sit down with the kind of thing they are thinking. If they share it with you, you will know that they need deliverance. And you have come to this place. You are delivered in the name of Jesus. I break the hold of that thought over your mind today. I said I break the hold of that thought over your mind today. In the name of Jesus. We are going to silence that voice. And silence it what? Permanently. Listen, the moment that voice is silenced, it doesn't have the controlling influence over your life again. The reason why it still has a controlling influence is because the voice is still loud. I hope some of you here understand what I'm talking about. Some of these things are very deep. They are very private and very personal. Are you understanding me? But you know what I'm talking about. There are those voices. You wake up in the morning. You hear them. You want to sleep at night. You hear them. You are in the office. You hear them. I remember 2012. If I'm not mistaken, either between 2011 and 2012, one of the years, as I entered the year, a voice spoke to me. It was not the voice of God. And then the voice said to me that that year, while I'm preaching, I will fall down. I didn't answer the voice. I said, like, there's something I just said, oh, what rubbish. It's not only God that speaks to us. Satan also speaks. He wants to be heard. That year, I won't remember it, but anytime I go up to preach, the thought will come back to my mind. It changed, changing to pictures. Are you understanding? It said changing to pictures. I remember a man who got shared his testimony one time. You know. It said changing to pictures. It would be as if I'm having a picture of it happening. I said, no, no, I have to address it. Amen. And I was healthy that year. Amen. Throughout that year. Glory to God. By confessions. By declaring and standing. I didn't allow the thoughts to just keep going. If not, the thoughts will manifest. Glory to God. To manifest. A man of God was sharing. He said he was going to Canada for a program. And as he was praying, anytime he's praying for the program, then when he stands up, instead of seeing the program, he will see himself in the hospital in, the con- in Canada. Are you he's going for a healing program. But he will see himself in the hospital in, in, in Canada. Ah, that instead of going to heal the sick, they took him to the hospital. Am I communicating? Now, that's Satan trying to use the principle of God's word to birth his own purpose in your life. Are we together? Because everything in your life, it starts with a thought. Then it grows and builds until it gives birth. Some of you, is a thought of death. It has come. Somebody close to you died. Since then, the fear of death has overwhelmed you. And from time to time, just think, what if, what if, what if, what if. 
He died like this. Maybe me too. Da, da, da. And you have started accommodating it. You have to silence that voice. Are you ready to do that? Can we use a few minutes to do that? Don't, when we stand up, don't be quiet and looking at somebody. Nobody's going to confess a good confession for you. It's with your mouth. We say with my mouth. Confession is made unto salvation. Say with my mouth. Confession is made to deliverance. Any space you want to enter, use your mouth. Are you ready to say that? Stand on your feet. If you pray in tongues, just lift your voice first of all. Let's just pray in tongues for a few minutes. Then I will release you to start making those confessions. Bold confessions. Don't look at anybody's face. You are not confessing for anybody. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Take it to the